Hey, Verbivores. Welcome to season two of the Verba Coffee Chat podcast. We are back for our second season and excited for you to listen in. In this episode, we welcome back Brittany Conley, research analyst at the National Association of College Stores, to break down data from the most recent Student Watch survey produced by NAX. Join us as we talk about the shift in course material spending, how digital course materials expanded their reach, and what students are really saying about the value of inclusive access programs. This episode is full of data showing a big shift in student purchase behaviors, so let's dive in. Hello, Brittany. Thank you so much for joining us. How is it going today? Hello, hello. Um, it's going good. I've got new Student Watch data to talk about today um, and kind of excited to share some of the stuff we have. We can't wait. As many of you know, Brittany closed out our last episode of season one of the podcast and now is our first official guest of season two. So I'm um, also our first reoccurring guest on the podcast. So huge shout out to Brittany and thank you for joining us yet again. We always love all your all your insights that you provide. Oh, thanks. I feel honored. All right. Well, without further ado, we have lots to talk about. So we definitely want to jump in and, and get started. So when you last joined us, we were talking about the faculty watch data, which obviously surveys faculty. But today we're here to talk about the student watch survey. Can mm-hmm. you just scene set for us and give us a little overview of kind of the basics of the survey? So Student Watch is a national student study that we do every single year here. We actually partner with colleges and institutions to send this survey out to their student populations. Them sending it out to all of their students is how we get a wide range of student responses and what we consider a representative sample. This year, we work with 39 different participating campuses, both in the U.S. and Canada, to send the survey out, and we got just under 12,000 student responses. This fielded February and March of 2021, so that is essentially well into the pandemic. Students have been through online classes. And by that point, some of them have even kind of went back to more traditional in-person classes. That seems so timely as, you know, can kind of survey students as they really felt obviously the big impact of the pandemic, but it also kind of gave time for some of those behaviors to really set in almost a couple terms, you know, to really kind of gauge what I think what maybe the, the impact the pandemic had on student purchase behaviors, which I think we'll see a lot of as we kind of talk about the results. What were some of the intro data points that kind of also help us see inside what students were purchasing and thinking as the survey was produced? We usually start with things like just how many course materials, right? If we're going to talk about course materials and spending, the baseline of that is just, well, how many materials did students obtain? This year, we saw across the school year, so that's, you know, the entire academic year, we saw students obtain about 8.6 course materials uh, throughout the year. What's interesting is that is actually the same number of courses we saw students take this year. So 8.6 average total number of materials obtained across 8.6 courses. So of course, if we divide that out by how many materials are students obtaining per course, that kind of divides out to exactly one material per course. So on average, students obtained one material per course this year. Another big finding kind of just from the baseline, like, okay, what was going on this year was that the vast majority, so 81% of students took at least one online only course this year. 
We, of course, all know why that is, right? As higher education tried to work around the pandemic and started doing remote learning, a lot of students were exposed to online-only courses that maybe hadn't been before. 81%, that obviously represents a large portion of students taking a different type of class style than we're normally used to seeing most students take. How did maybe that shift to remote and online learning, how did that impact that kind of ratio of number of courses taken to number of materials obtained? But how did that look in previous years? I'm just curious, as obviously the percent of uh, students that took online courses increased, Mm -hmm. did the materials per course increase as well? Student Watch being a yearly study gives us like that kind of good data to be able to look at, not just being able to say this year, this many things happen, um, but also having some stats for past years. And just like you're saying, because online courses and there was a lot of change there, we did see those numbers change from previous years. One of the starter ones is that students actually did take less courses this year. So that 8.6 is lower than what we see in an average year. Um, Maybe not by a whole lot. Students were taking about 8.8 courses last year. Um, So a small decline in the number of courses taken this year. And then total course materials also kind of saw the same thing happen where students took less courses overall, and they also obtained less materials overall compared to last year. Talking about course materials spending, can you share what students reported out around their course materials spend for this past survey? This is definitely the question I get asked the most, right? Um, even every year beyond just a year like this, when we have all kinds of changes, spending is always what people want to know. And this year we saw, again, this is across the academic year, students spend $456 on course materials. So I'm sure we'll get into a little bit what that looks like based on previous years. But just focusing on this year, if we would divide that up based on semester, 153 of those dollars were spent in the fall term, whereas $303 were spent in the spring term. And if the listeners out there, if you follow course materials, you know, if you know what this typically looks like, you're like, hold on a second, that is, that doesn't sound right. And that's one of the areas where we just saw a really weird shift and kind of a change from previous years. Almost always students are spending more in the fall, whether that's because they're buying materials that maybe last through spring, or maybe because they're taking more courses in the fall. But essentially, just on a standard year, that's when we always see a higher course material spend. And this year that absolutely flip-flopped with um, almost students spending nearly double in the spring that they did in the fall. So this is just one of those measurements that seems to very well probably be related to the pandemic. We just kind of saw a flip-flop of what we're normally seeing. Yeah, I'm wondering too if if there's any correlation to the amount of students taking online classes potentially impacting that where maybe they tried to persist with normal behaviors and purchase less in the fall, but then realizing that maybe due to the online format that they maybe needed more of those materials. I mean, I would say potentially it's not necessarily something I have data on. We kind of also tried, you know, our best shot of figuring this out. There's a certain level of data you can collect by directly asking students, um, but the rest we do kind of have to do something like that, kind of try to come up with reasons maybe that we don't have exact data on. One of those things is something like they took more classes in the spring compared to fall this year. And that's normally, you know, flip-flop. Usually we see students taking more classes in the fall. And this year that was kind of the opposite, probably because as everything happened with the pandemic, students did cut down on how much school they could commit to, whether that was because online courses were different or they were handling more responsibilities at home. Students also skipped acquiring less course materials this year. That could maybe tie into a little bit of what you're saying of maybe they decided to obtain materials or maybe against materials differently this year. 
Um, so essentially, we just saw a lot of things possibly play into that. Students maybe even had less options this year in what course materials to obtain. Most purchases were made, and rentals even, were made online this year, whereas in most years, students both have online and physical stores available for them to rent and purchase. Even though campus stores and other physical stores, a lot of them have an online preference, it still kind of closes the gap in how many options are available there when students were limited to just online. And just to clarify, I think one of the things to call out is that while spending, you know, had an uptick this year, it's actually down 38% compared to the last 10 years and down 28% in the last five years. So I think in general, when you look at that range of student spending, it is a really powerful percentage of a decline. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know, what are your thoughts on maybe kind of trends as you move forward? Do you think that this was kind of a one-time uptick? Do you have any insight into maybe what you're going to see in the next few years? Right. So when we're talking about spending, this year was the first year where we saw much of an increase. I mean, it's the first year, I want to say in nearly eight or nine years that we've seen a increase in spending. Granted that $456 was only up from $413 uh, last year. So that's only about a $40 increase, really not too substantial when you're talking about, you know, four to $500 spending ranges. But that increase that we saw this year only put us back at the range that we would have been in, in like, let's say 2017-18. So students were spending more than they're spending now as recently as 2018. Yes, spending didn't increase compared to last year, but that increase isn't a lot when you do look at the grand scheme of things. And that's when we're looking at the numbers you're mentioning, things like 10 years ago, I mean, spending's down 38% compared to 10 years ago. So overall, we're still seeing a declining course material spending. We just did see what looks to be, in my opinion, probably just a quick uptick this year due to weird circumstances. So many shifts in student behaviors that seem to be brought on by the pandemic, as many of us might have expected. Keep listening as Brittany explains how the 2020-2021 academic year was the year of digital course materials. One of the things that caught my attention with the data was the percentage of students acquiring their materials in the first week of class, which I thought was awesome. It was actually 82% of students compared to 69% the previous year. I think this was a really, really cool stat to see increase. I think it just shows the preparedness of students. And I would love your insight on if you think day one access programs are having any impact on that, or maybe students just with the pandemic realize they need their materials, Mm -hmm. Um, but would love your insight into why you think that number increased so significantly this past term? Yeah, that was definitely an interesting one because we had kind of been seeing, at least to a small scale, the opposite of that happen. Um, It seemed like students were obtaining materials later and later as the years went on. This year, we did see an increase in the use of those like inclusive access or day one access programs. And so it does look like students getting their materials earlier was in part correlated to also the increase in those day one or inclusive access options. But I was actually curious about this when I was doing the research and kind of looking into some of this data. And even if we pull out all of those students who participated in a program like that, students were still obtaining materials earlier, even those not involved in any kind of day one or inclusive access program. So it looks like the overall trend was just to obtain materials earlier this year. I had kind of already mentioned, too, that less students were skipping acquiring materials this year. Usually those behaviors kind of go one and one together. 
when students skip acquiring materials or when students put off acquiring materials until later. And so for whatever reason, maybe it was uncertainty around, you know, new class formats, like the online formats, and just uncertainty overall made students less willing to risk something like skipping a material or obtaining a material late. And so I think that's probably a big part of it. But we're probably always going to see as these day one access programs increase, we're probably always going to see that also correlated to earlier obtaining materials. But I essentially think that's kind of the two things at play here. It's awesome to see, though, that students not participating in inclusive access were still acquiring materials at at a faster rate and and earlier on in the term. I think that's Mm -hmm. um, a great data point. And we have our own research showing that students, you know, who are in their learning materials early and often tend to have a better learning outcome in the course. So hopefully that can provide some correlation and and students really see that the benefits of obtaining course materials and those types of behaviors continue. That, That was a fun stat to see increase. Yeah, definitely. We want, we kind of would consider a positive, right? Like everybody wants students to be able to have those materials to participate in the class. So it's possible this year that, you know, maybe they got to experience having all their materials and not skipping them. And hopefully that was a good experience for them and something we can continue to see students do. Looking at how students acquired their materials, one of the things that really caught my attention was the reduction in rentals. Can you maybe give us some more insight into what those behaviors look like around um, rentals, purchasing, and maybe free materials? This is one of those measurements that we do every year. So we ask uh, usually by percentage of students, how many students are purchasing materials, how many students are renting materials. This year, uh, we had 35% of students report that they had rented at least one course materials this year. That looked quite a bit different than our normal years. Last year, 44% of students had rented materials, so 44 to 35% in one year. And that 44% had been very solid for at least the last five years. So to see it all of a sudden drop to 35%, that was definitely a change that we saw this year in how students were obtaining materials. Definitely less students rented than what we would normally see. Yeah. And, you know, we saw a lot of campus stores that were actively reducing their rental programs and even eliminating their rental programs. Mm -hmm. You know, Julie and her team at Dayton is an example that comes to mind. You know, she completely eliminated her rental program and shifted that to offering more digital because it just made sense during the pandemic. Then I know, you know, other stores kind of followed suit. So it's, it's really an interesting shift that's obviously students acknowledge and that we saw within the industry, kind of a shift in campus store strategies Mm -hmm. as the pandemic really forced them to, you know, kind of evaluate those different business models and and offer more of kind of that contactless delivery that we've seen so many retailers do, you know, over the last 18 months. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Some of our data is because students choose things, but some of it is also because it's like what's available or what they're exposed to. And there's a very good chance with rentals here for the reasons you're saying is not that students were choosing to rent less. They were just maybe less available to students this year. We obviously love to talk about digital and there's some really fun data around student purchase behaviors and digital that I would love to dig into. Can you talk a little bit about and share the results of the content type purchased and that mix between new used and digital that you saw from this year's survey? 
it was absolutely a year for digital, which obviously, you know, um, and I think we all know, right, not only did the actual education move a lot of it from in person to digital, but with it, some of the course material usage also switched from more physical things like new and used print materials to those digital course materials that are housed online, of course. And like you mentioned, uh, what we saw was a change in the percentage of paid units uh, obtained this year. So just a quick like definition, we call paid units, both purchase and rental units. We're essentially added those together so we can just look at what students paid for overall. What we usually see is that most of the units obtained or the highest percentage, so 47% of the units obtained are used print. Um, Like last year, that was 47%. uh, That was significantly higher than digital, which was all the way down at 14%. So used print is kind of always the number one source. New print was behind used in the past at about 40%. And then digital has always trailed quite far behind. What we saw this year was all three of those that used to be at very different, you know, percentage points, all three of those were roughly about the same. New print was 32% of paid units, used print was 31% of paid units, and then digital was actually 29% of paid units. For digital to go from 14% of paid units in 2019 to 29% of paid units, so actually more than double this, this year, you can see how this wasn't just a year for digital learning. This was also digital course materials, students interacting with those materials more. That I feel like just rings true to a lot of what we're seeing as well. Um, with our data-driven strategies, kind of data review, where we take thousands of transactions and analyze them from the spring term, we found that 32% of course materials purchased through our campus stores using our tools were digital. And that was the first term that digital had ever outpaced used in rental. And so I think your findings are you know, very much in line with kind of what we're seeing as well. It is interesting to see that shift and how that, that transition and rapid transition as it was to online learning rapidly transitioned students to the use of digital course material. Even though more students are using digital content, how do they feel about that? And and do they think they're going to continue to use digital, you know, even as maybe life returns to whatever kind of normal is beyond the pandemic? You had some really interesting data points around what students were thinking and kind of their stick-to-itiveness with digital that maybe you could share. For two different perspectives of this, even before I get into this year's number, we've kind of always seen the case that the more students have used digital in the past, the more they will continue to use it in the future or be more favorable or prefer it in the future. We've seen this even that as students start using digital in lower levels, so like K through 12 levels, those students who have used it back then are more likely to prefer it in college. What we saw this year um, is we just asked students, would you be more likely to continue using digital after classes return to normal? Or, you know, for some students, maybe did you use digital this year and you don't want to use it more after classes return to normal? You want to go back to just your traditional print textbook. And the findings, like you said, Lisa, were really interesting. Uh, So two thirds, 66% of students said that they would probably use digital course materials more in the future, even once classes return to normal. Normal. And that more meant more than they did before the pandemic. So when we saw that increase in digital usage, at least according to the students or by their best guess, they think they're going to continue using those materials more after having used them more this year. 
And I also really enjoyed seeing that of the students that reported, you know, using digital, 83% of those students reported using their digital materials a lot to moderate levels, which is always really satisfying because obviously, you know, as you, as you provide course material options, like you want students to take advantage and actually use those materials. Mm -hmm. And so it was really great to see that students, you know, not only were they requiring them, but they also were really engaged. It seemed to be inside of those materials. Yeah, we definitely saw like high interaction levels with digital content. Digital has a wide range of interactivity from PDF kind of at the lowest levels to those fully inclusive environments kind of at the higher levels of interactivity um, and kind of a- across the board, no matter what format students were using in the digital space, it seems that there's a lot of interaction for students. Those are substantial changes in purchasing. It's no surprise digital increased its market share. One way campus stores increased digital offerings was through inclusive access programs. Keep listening as we talk about the shift in inclusive access and what students identified as the reasons they were most satisfied with day one access programs. Let's take this to the next level with digital as we can continue this conversation and and dig into inclusive access. Mm -hmm. So you asked some great questions around inclusive access programs. I'd love for you just to kind of share out an overview of what students are, are thinking and experiencing with IA at their institutions. One of the things we saw was just increase uh, in the number of students participating in inclusive access. This very well falls into the category of this wasn't, you know, probably students choosing this much like rentals. This is probably something where the institutions or the professors, you know, decided to implement inclusive access and therefore more students end up participating. This year, actually, to get down to the numbers, one out of every three students said during the year, at least one of their courses participated in an inclusive access program. And one in three, that's such a high number. This is something, you know, that we had started talking about in these reports maybe four or five years ago. And it was kind of this very small, different course material uh, delivery option. But now one in three, this is clearly a big part of the market. That number has doubled since just 2019. So quickly growing in this year, just continuing to grow. This certainly fit well, I think, in some of those online courses where changes had to be made last minute so that courses could be put online. Um, Everybody was kind of scrambling. And of course, one of the talked about things about inclusive access is, you know, it gets students the right edition of the course material. It gets them to them before the first day of courses. Um, And so some of those things were probably more top of mind this year as things were in more array and things were shifting and changing. So that's probably one part of why we saw that increase this year. But we don't only ask about how much it was used. We kind of go beyond that and each year focus on something different with inclusive access and kind of look into a different part of it. And this year, we actually talked to students about their satisfaction level with inclusive access, both how satisfied they were with it and also what made them satisfied and what made others dissatisfied. What we saw is that 56% of students said that they were satisfied with their inclusive access program. 26% said that they were kind of in the middle, neither satisfied nor dissatisfied. And only about 19% of students reported being dissatisfied. 
But what's kind of more interesting is the reasons why on both ends. So those students who were satisfied with inclusive access, they said it was because number one, they know they'd have the right materials and correct additions. This isn't something I think is normally a huge selling point of inclusive access. It's just not normally one of the more talked about things, but that actually ends up being what students are most satisfied with. They know they get all the materials and they know they have the correct additions. You know, they don't have something outdated where they need to find a different page number because they're actually on an older edition where it's on a different page and have to kind of go through all of that. And then students also like the convenience of not having to shop for materials, you know, that materials already picked out and, you know, gets delivered to them usually digitally because we often see inclusive access hosted digitally. And then thirdly, is having materials the first day. That's kind of the thing we talk about most, especially when programs are called things like day one access, right? So that ends up coming in at number three of what students were most satisfied with. On the dissatisfied side, we saw that some students didn't necessarily find the materials to be cheaper. That was kind of the number one reason of students who reported being dissatisfied. And then of course, something we always talk about is the some students just prefer print. I think that's always going to be the case. There's going to be some portion of students who want, you know, an open and closed traditional print textbook. This is really great insight. I think it's so cool to see the reasons on both ends why students, you know, are satisfied and maybe dissatisfied with IA. But it really is neat to see the appreciation students have for making sure they have the right materials. When you put yourself in in your student's shoes and you think of having to go and acquire your course materials and shop around for them, it can be a very confusing experience. And, And you don't know if you're buying the right additions, if you're choosing to purchase outside of your campus store. And so I think that's a lot of the benefit that IA provides is really, you know, students knowing they have the right materials and the convenience of it. I think that we're seeing that more and more become prevalent while, you know, this really, I think, started as an affordability initiative. The convenience Mm -hmm. factor has really proven to be a selling feature to IA, especially as the pandemic hit and, um, you know, being able to offer your course materials through the LMS. And then one of the interesting stats that kind of goes along with that, that I saw through the data was that students reported using the LMS. I think it was 54% more this past term than than previous terms, which I think also probably correlates to the increase in students who are involved in IA programs, since that's typically how they access their content is through the LMS. So it's kind of a really neat correlation of this shift in trend. And and it's so cool to see campus stores really a part of that and kind of embedding their role into the, into the, you know, institution as a whole, into the, into the learning management system. It's really neat to see how that's all shifting and happening. It'll be interesting to see how this continues to shift um, into the next few years, especially as you said, I think um, this was a model that campus stores really rallied around and we saw them Mm -hmm. grow at a really rapid rate over the past 18 months because it really solved the problem of creating kind of that contactless free delivery and them being able to ensure students had access to content. Right. And I would even say too, those benefits, the things like having correct additions or convenience even mattered more this year during a pandemic where, you know, going to a store wasn't an option or, you know, looking at the student next to you and just making sure you have the correct edition wasn't necessarily options this year. So I think that this year, those benefits were even more highlighted. And I think that we'll have to see in the future if you know, we just talked about how students plan to use more digital in the future. I think that, you know, next year or two years down the line, we'll be looking at, okay, these increases in inclusive access, does that stick around? Does inclusive access just continue to grow as more and more students are exposed to it or not? 
All right, Brittany, this was amazing yet again. First of all, thank you for all that you do. It just does not go unnoticed your hard work. So thank you. Thank you so much. And second, I think it would be great to share if stores are interested in the data, how can they get this data in their hands? And if they're interested in participating in the next survey, how can they do that? Absolutely. Actually, both of those are going to be at the same location. So I encourage anybody interested in either of those to just visit our website. So that's just oncampusresearch.org. There is tabs on that page for Student Watch. That'll take you both to buying information and just more information. And then Basically, like I mentioned at the beginning, we partner with campuses, you know, that can be NACS members, but also not NACS members. We are happy to partner with any campuses who would like to participate to send these surveys out on your campus. You get both the report that we write that has all this trending information and this year's data, but we also provide each participating campus with their own campus data. So imagine all these numbers I talked about today, but instead of just saying, you know, all students, you know, you would specifically know those numbers for your students. It is free to participate. Essentially, you know, you're helping us understand students and feel this so that we can do reports like this or podcast interviews like this. And you're basically helping the industry in that way. And it is free to participate because we just, you know, love to learn more about students. So we have reports for sale or we have info on free participation. And that's kind of all housed on that on-campus research website. Definitely encourage everyone to participate that can. How cool to be able to get your own data for your own subset of your campus. I would just start out about that. So it was such a cool opportunity. And, and thank you again, Brittany. This was amazing. Thanks for kicking off our season two of the podcast. Thanks so much, Lisa. Always happy to come on. Thanks for listening and big thanks to Brittany. Make sure to subscribe to the Verba Coffee Chat podcast so you don't miss a single episode of the new season.